welcome to Matt and Kevin Talk Church. Two pastors, two old friends, from two different denominations on two different coasts, talking about faith, culture, the Bible, and the ins and outs of church ministry. I'm Kevin Sheehan, Associate Pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. And I'm Matt Curtis, Pastor of Decision Life Church in Wairika, California. Welcome to the podcast. Well, we are recording on Monday, October 12th, 2020. Um, we hope that as you are listening to this, that it finds you well. And today on the podcast, uh, we're going to be talking some just about the importance and uh, vitality of Christian community. I- I've been struck uh, this week as I was uh, reading uh, the great reporting from Christianity Today and uh, World Magazine about uh, the Ravi Zacharias scandal. And we're not going to rehash all of that here. That's not really the point. Um, but one of the things that stood out to me was that he just was lacking in a church community. He wasn't part of a church community that would know him and see him and uh, care for him and shepherd him. And so often when we see these kinds of falls or difficulties, oftentimes, at least what's what what contributes to it, I think, um, is just there's a lack of community, wouldn't you say, Kevin? Yeah, I don't know anything about the Ravi Zacharias thing. This evening is the first I've heard of it just from you. Uh, so I have no opinions on that. But it, yes, it did strike me that, you know, when these things happen, whether it's uh, you know, a prominent musician or pastor or whomever, um, a lot of times there's a lack of a community. And even, even with someone like a pastor who's in a church community, obviously, often there's a lack of like genuine community where, where there's where the pastor kind of isolates himself, um, doesn't have a close network of people that know him well or closely. Uh, but more often I, I think of, you know, people like Derek Webb or some others who their ministry and their life takes them on the road a lot. And so they're well, never, well, that was Ravi's deal too, speaking all the time. Yeah. Right. And so they're never in one place they're, they're not going to the same church week in, week out, they can't possibly have the sort of community um, that we typically think of in terms of, you know, where we go to church every week and we know the people there. Yeah. Uh, and so I think you're right that that tends to contribute to this lack of accountability, which just, which, well, which rarely ends well, we'll put it yeah, that well, way. Well, sure. Like in the other part of that, like just a piggyback on what you're saying, you know, if you're Ravi Zacharias or Derek Webb and you're in a new place every night, you're the star everywhere you go. (laughs) And and the advantage to my being in the same pulpit week after week after week is they figure out quick that I'm not a star. You know what I mean? Like, like that. I don't think my congregation has caught on yet. No, just kidding. Well, I'd be happy to send a letter, but, but, no, no, it's, they got that 25 years of experience with Kevin. Let me tell you anyway. Um, it, it's, but again, it's, they, they don't, there's no accountability for what they're teaching because often they're teaching the same thing over and over. And again, that's not bad in and of itself, but you're this elevated person. And, uh, here, like I, I have to like prove it over time by how I'm living that, that what I'm teaching is consistent and you just don't have that. And that lack right. of community, I think can just, I think be a problem. Yeah. So we want to talk a little bit about just the idea of Christian community and how God's people should be in community and how we were, we're designed to be in community. We're made for community and not just, uh, you know, where we sort of live in a neighborhood, but don't know our neighbors 
sort of thing, but actual uh, closer knit community than that. Yeah, I think last time we, we recorded a podcast, we talked about the idea of work and vocation. And of course, yeah. we started with Genesis. And guess what? Guess where we start today? Like we start a lot of things back in Genesis. So well, it is the beginning. It so. is the beginning. It's amazing <laughs> how often we come back to Genesis 1 through 3 to yep. describe so many aspects of Christian life and the world. Um, so yeah. Adam and Eve created they're obviously designed to be in community with one another. As, as, as we go through the creation account, you see, um, you know, God did this, God did that, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And the first time something was not good, it's because man was alone. And so Eve is created. And yeah. there's just an inherent need uh, for that sort of relationship. Uh, yeah. we're, we're communal people at our very being, at a very foundational level. Right. Well, and what's striking about that is at the moment when God says it's not good for man to be alone, what kind of relationship does he have with God? A perfect one. Right? Unstained by sin. Yeah. And so it's striking that even in that, what he, there is lack there. Maybe lack isn't the right word. Maybe that's heresy. I don't know. But 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 what's missing? Well, I think there, I really, I mean, I think, I think the Hebrew word really connotes more of like an incompleteness. Yeah. It's not like God yeah. made something bad, not good in that right. sense. It's just, it's incomplete. It's not, right. it's not finished. It's not a finished right. work yet. Right. And what's missing is relationality with another person, one of his kind. You'll see it says he made them after their kind. And the, so the need for that is, I think, ingrained in our humanity. And so right. even a perfect relationship with God and still, uh, that was something that was necessary. I think we can say that necessary. Right. Yeah. And so, as we move throughout the biblical story, we see community is just crucial to it. Obviously right. there's family structures that are put in place. Uh, Abraham's family on and on. Uh, God kind of works through these structures in many cases, all the social structures that are developed, uh, whether it's nation state level uh, all the way into the New Testament church, there's always a presumption of one anotherness that this is being done uh, plurally <laughs> uh, in community with one another. There's there's yeah. never this idea of this kind of isolated individual, I and mean, we have like rare exceptions, like maybe Elijah for a time as he's you know kind of doing his thing, wandering around. Well, but but and, and, and those are always just seasons. It's never like. This those is are, your those are existence. seasons and they're they're exceptions. But when it yeah. when it comes to how God has designed His people to live, it's always part of a community. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as we've said, Adam and Eve made for community, and the reason uh, they're made for community, or at least one explanation for it, is that when God talks about making man, He says, "Let us make him in what in our own image." Right. And so. It's the man is being created, created as an overflow out of the relationship and community that existed with the Trinity before the world began. So our relationality is a reflection of uh, the relationality in the Godhead. I would even go so far as to say we cannot in a complete way image, the God, image God rightly if we are in isolation from one another. So I don't know if you want to unpack that further, but that's what I've got on. Oh, no, that. that's good. I've been reading a book lately, working my way through it slowly, called "The Triune God" by Fred Sanders. He's like a one of these like really mm -hmm. smart people that I have trouble reading. <laughs> 
got to read everything three times and, and then look up what the words mean. It's, it's a tremendous concept and uh, the whole concept of the Trinity. But I think you, you hit it. I mean, the idea that there's something just innate about the Godhead that's relational and, and it's true with his creation that bears his image, that we are also just innately relational. Yeah. Even those of us, you know, who are introverts <laughs> and, you know, want to get away from people more often than not, uh, still like relationships are, are crucial to our well-being. Yeah. And part of that is kind of getting back to what what led us into this in the first place is community helps us from kind of going off the rails. It prevents us from falling into sin or heresy or, or whatever it is. There's just a there's kind of a built in accountability, even with people you don't necessarily yeah. know well, um, but certainly community that you do know well. But even ones that you don't know well, there's this is kind of an accountability with showing up every Sunday and just having to yeah. be there that, that helps keep things on the rails. Yeah, so like if you're attending church and you're shoulder to shoulder with people on Sunday morning, especially if you're in like a smaller community like ours, and then you scream at your wife in the parking lot at the grocery store, you know, like that's, there's going to be a, there's a built-in community involved with that, you know, maybe that's not a great example, but there's, I just think there's something to that. And it's not just about modulating behavior. Uh, Discipleship doesn't happen in isolation either like when you read the new testament like peter and john are undoubtedly shaped by each other right yeah. like yeah. like like you get this sense that yes of course jesus yes of course jesus but they're shaped by each other right for certain and, right. and i think uh so too are we in our discipleship to jesus we are going to be shaped by one another and i think you know Look, this podcast is born out of our being friends and having these conversations all the time. Right. And so it's just our continuing to shape each other and just letting people listen in on our doing on our doing that uh, to one degree or another. Right. And so uh, I just think you cannot you really can't do the discipleship thing alone. It just can't be done. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, one of the things I'm not trying <laughs> I'm not trying to get all denominational on us, but one of the things I do appreciate about Presbyterianism just in the way that it's set up is that there's an accountability outside of my own church, right? So not only do I have elders inside my church, but there are other elders and other pastors in our presbytery that I'm accountable to. That, that's a good thing. I mean, at least theoretically, at least in, in, in concept, that keeps us from going off the rails, you know, if, if there's yeah. a church in our presbytery, that's, you know, saying stuff that's crazy, or if there's a pastor that falls into sin, like the other pastors, other elders, other churches are going to be there to right. hold, hold them accountable, but also to support and encourage and, and work through it. And we, we, right. we're going through those sorts of things. I mean, that happens, um, yeah. you know, several in the past year of, of just uh, people that, you know, we've just had to address in one form or another. So that, that's a good thing. And, and that's, that's kind of built into the Presbyterian model. But I mean, other, I mean, certainly other, other um, faith traditions do similar sorts of things, even if it's not quite as uh, say regimented <laughs> as yeah, ours. So, and many pastors have kind of informal fellowships with other pastors yeah. and all of those, yeah, all of those sort yeah. of, yeah, all sort of connections are just really good things for, for many reasons. 
I mean, what you just described, I mean, this is a whole, this is maybe all beyond the scope of our <laughs> podcast today. And we can do another podcast on it, but that that's what denominations are. Like people often think it's about, you know, separating ourselves from them, but it's not, I don't, I don't know that that's the right way to look at it. I think it's, we as Presbyterians have these, you know, confessional commitments. And in light of these confessional commitments, we're going to hold each other and be in community, build our community around these confessions. I mean, that's, that's what denominations are. And that's a good thing, not necessarily something we need to lament, but again, different podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly different denominations or traditions have uh, lesser or greater levels of connection points, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. We have networks like Acts 29 network, which is just another word for denomination really. But (laughs) yeah, well, like in my, in my church, the evangelical free church, like we call ourselves a a denomination, but we're really more like a network. Like we're we're a church where because each church is autonomous. And we have a, like a district superintendent, but he doesn't have any like authority. All of the authority, all of the authority rests with the local elder board in the local church. Yeah. And so like, I, anyway, way off topic. Differences but, of polity, but you know, the idea right. again is that there's some sort of connection. There's some yeah. sort of community. Yeah. And even for those that are, you know, not in a denomination, like I've been in churches that were independent, uh, congregational, whatever there there's, I think it's wise for them to have some sort of connections outside of their own church, Uh, especially for pastors who, you know, don't have anyone in their church who is, is kind of has the same role. Uh, Yeah. So it's helpful. Like I, when I was a youth pastor, you know, I would get together with six or seven other youth pastors. We have breakfast every, you know, two weeks or once a month or whatever. And that was just a very helpful thing. There are some guys here that I meet with every other Wednesday that it's, you know, we talk about what we're going through and pray for each other's churches and the whole thing. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And I think it's a danger sign when people are isolating themselves. Yeah. Um, that, that never goes well. I mean, you, you have certain people out there and we we'll, won't name names today, but we all, we all know of somebody who's just kind of by themselves. And uh, I mean, it could be like a pastor of a church or whatever, or just an individual Christian who maybe isn't even part of a church. Or there's no real accountability. There's no real oversight. There's no, uh, there's no one really credentialing them. That that's a that's a red flag to me. And then I see people who, you know, are, are kind of isolating themselves, like they're stepping back from things. And it's one thing to step back from things for a season if you're just busy or whatever, want to focus elsewhere. Uh, but yeah. when people start kind of dropping out of of church, yeah, that's usually a sign of of bigger problems going on. Uh, I, I agree as a general rule. Like, as you say, there could be like, you know, if you went through a, you know, there was like, you were abused by a pastor or something like the, the, there might be a season where you need to withdraw for your own health and healing. Um, right. But that season, but that season should not be forever. Um, cause I think, cause again, and we're meant to be together. Yeah, there's plenty of exceptions and plenty of valid reasons to sort of step back for a little while, not just be sort right. of busy, you know. I'm not yeah. talking about being busy. I'm talking about, you know, people who just kind of are just sort of dropping out of the church community. Right. Or like they disappear for months at a time because, you know, swimming season or or whatever. Like, yeah, right. th- that kind of stuff can, I think, have can have an effect down the road. Well, 
now might be a good time to go and grab yourself a cup of coffee or if you're doing the dishes while you're listening or mowing your lawn to uh, transition to whatever you need to do next and we'll be right back with more of matt and kevin talk church okay we're back we're matt we're kevin we're still talking church and this week we're talking about the idea of community and how important christian community is to our spiritual well-being to our spiritual formation to our upkeep and all those wonderful things so the next question we'd like to discuss here in the second half of the show is how do we work at developing community how are we intentional about developing our community now that's kind of a trickier thing during covid days so some of this kind of comes with a big fat asterisk of well, this is what was true probably seven months ago and will hopefully be true in the near future. But let's just speak more generally for the time being. And I would actually argue that the presence of COVID makes community more vital, not less vital. Oh, it absolutely makes it more, more important. It's just a matter of... It, it might look different. How, the question yeah. of how we develop it maybe looks a little bit different these days, but it's, yeah. it's definitely as or probably more vital than, than ever. Yeah. Yeah. In part because it's more precious because it's more rare. Like we're just not together as often. Yeah. Yeah. Like even if you're back meeting at church and you're still coming every Sunday, not everyone's there. Yeah. Not everyone's back. And there's probably certain events or activities that aren't, you know, fully back yet. So there's less community now than there was, you know, before COVID. So it's, I would say we have to be more intentional. Yeah. Which, which leads us to kind of our first suggestion and i think you can do this with or with covid or without um intentional vulnerability or sharing your life and by that i mean you have people that you talk with about your sins your struggles your uh worries your the things that are stressing you out and keeping you up at night the stuff you're super excited about um you need people uh, to share all that with. I had a friend at Dartmouth years ago who said, uh, a joy shared is uh, twice the joy and a burden shared is half the burden. I mean, that's just always struck me as true. Yeah. I think that's a playoff of a C.S. Lewis quote, but. It very well could be. Yeah. And, you know, there are enough fake, fake C.S. Lewis <laughs> quotes floating around that who knows. But anyway, right. I attribute it to Josh Chen, Dartmouth class of 98. But anyway. Shout um, out Josh Chen. If you're out there anyway, uh, it, it doesn't, the point is, is that we need to like intentionally find people that we can be vulnerable with and real with. It's amazing how quickly that can kind of expedite relationships. Yeah. Of just, now you have to kind of be at a certain point already. Otherwise it just maybe is awkward or inappropriate. Right. Uh, you right. Know, there might be some boundary issues there or whatever. Uh, right. But uh, vulnerability does go a long way. Um, I didn't really intend to do this yesterday, but our our pastor called in sick Saturday night. And so, you know, that meant I was I was on for Sunday. So Saturday night I was trying to put together a sermon and all this. And, and the kind of the first thing I said when the service started is I just sort of said, like, I'm just really overwhelmed right now. I'll just be honest with you all. I'm just feeling really overwhelmed. Actually, while the prelude was being played, and I was sitting in my chair up, up on up front there, like I was kind of fighting back tears a little bit. Just I don't even know why. I kind of came on suddenly. Just like man, I just feel really overwhelmed. So I just shared that, and uh, you know, I said, like I know many of you are too. It's not like I'm alone in that. A lot of people feel overwhelmed right now for lots of reasons. 
yeah, I didn't, I didn't do it with like sort of some design to like, I'm going to be intentionally vulnerable with the hopes that this furthers community. Like I didn't think about it that way at all. Right. Uh, but a few people said to me afterwards that they appreciated that. Uh, and I think part of it is it's kind of, it hit a, hit a nerve, like in a good way in terms of a lot of people are feeling the same way. And so it helped, I think, draw people in a bit yeah. more to see their pastor who is definitely not a star. Yeah. Just be really tired. <laughs> yeah. And, and overwhelmed. Yeah. I try and model that from the pulpit too. I mean, appropriately I share, okay, here's, here's how I'm working out what we're dealing with in this text in my life. And here's how I'm trying to obey this. I mean, that's something I do frequently to try and model that. But a uh, part of what you're getting at, like, which I think uh, really brings us to our next point, this whole, what you said about you have to be at a certain place to be able to do that. And that takes time. So often, whether it's COVID season or not, we're pulled in so many directions that we really have to prioritize developing those relationships. And that's going to mean, it could just mean a change in your schedule. You know, like if we are, if, we, if you're too busy to have those kinds of relationships, you're too busy and something right. needs to change. Right. I actually remember when I finished college and got out into the quote unquote real world, how much more difficult relationships were. Yeah. It's because like when you're in college, like all your best friends like live right there. Like you all live yeah. on the same campus or, you know, in the same town, at least if you live off campus sure. or whatever. And so you're used to like several years where just everything is just right in front of you. Yeah. And anytime you want to go talk to one of your hundred closest friends, they're just all right there. It's easy to do. Yeah. You're all eat lunch. And, and that's what makes the hall. intentionality of it so important. Right. And then all of a sudden you get out of college and it's like, this doesn't just happen automatically anymore. You have to deliberately, right. well, back in those days, call somebody up. Um, I guess now you could text yeah. or I mean, Whatever. when we were first friends, I think it was smoke signals, wasn't it? We had to like build a fire and then, but it, called the it took Express, a lot of effort. Pony Express to deliver the right. letter, but I, so it just, it, it just was more difficult. And what you realize pretty quickly is that you do have to, there are certain things you prioritize and there's only so much relational capital that you have in life. Yeah. Um, it can only have so many friendships. I mean, every time that we've moved and we've moved, I mean, like me and Angie, but uh, you as well, I suppose you've moved several times as well. And it's like, every time you move, you kind of leave behind relationships. Yeah. And most of those go by the wayside after a while. I mean, they just kind of have to, Yeah. you can try as hard as you want to keep them up, but you just can't. Yeah. There's only so much time and space in your life for relationships uh, and everything else that it does require yeah. some deliberate, intentional uh, prioritizing in terms of, okay, yeah. You know, I'm going to try to go deep. If I'm going to have any relationships, first of all, I have to prioritize relationships. And then among that, I have to prioritize certain ones. Yeah. Which, which of course, and here's, and here's the truth of it. Like, I think that what, where the rub is, uh, there are no like low maintenance relationships. They like, by definition, they require work and it's going to mean sacrificing some type of convenience or, like it's it's easy to just not talk about anything. It's yeah. easy to just sort of scroll on your phone and not know anybody, uh, but it's hard to do the hard work of letting people know you. Uh, John Mark Comer in his book, uh, "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry," it's a good book. I you know can't embrace all of it. It's a you know eat the meat and spit out the bones type of situation. 
but in it he says we want friends convenience meaning like i mean we want friends type community meaning the tv show friends he's our age so his reference his uh, cultural references are the same as ours would be but <laughs> uh, friends type community with netflix convenience yeah like we want we want that we long for that but we don't want to sacrifice to get there right and it just doesn't work like that yeah um, you can have like your buddies that you just talk about football with, or, you know, I've, I, you know, I used to, have, used to have hiking buddies or skiing buddies. And that was sort of the limit of our relationship was just those very specific spheres. Right. But those weren't, right. you know, those weren't the sorts of relationships that fuel my walk with the Lord. Yeah. They were, they were fun. They were whatever. Um, but they, they weren't particularly deep. Yeah. Well, I mean, even think like, you know, with ours, Kevin, like it, it takes work. We, we live on different coasts. We have families. And so we have to, on purpose, decide we're going to talk. If it was, if it was up to me, we'd be recording this at like six in the morning. But right. that would mean it's well, three in the morning for you. That's you know, a little tough to ask. That would be a little tough. I mean, it just takes sacrifice. So at church, like what are some practical ways maybe we build community? So, so like in a con- conceptual way, you know, be vulnerable. That's a practical step. We've got uh, your schedule might need to change because there's a time issue. And then there's just, it's inconvenient by definition. So, so what are just some practical steps at church, maybe, if you want to build a community? What are some like on-ramps, maybe? I guess the most obvious way is just the Sunday morning worship gathering. Yeah, prioritize the Sunday gathering. And, and again, I know it's COVID and there are reasons to, to not come um, that are legit and hopefully just for a season of time. But the Sunday morning worship service and that's that's the that's the primary example that's when god's people gather to worship and that's that's the community that we've um, committed ourselves to in in one form or another hopefully committed ourselves to in one form or another i think people underestimate the importance of that you know if you just sort of walk in the door i mean you could just come in the door sit down probably in the back um, not really talk to anybody and then when it's over or maybe scoot out a little bit before it's over during the closing hymn. I mean, you could come and go and not talk to anybody and you sort of, you know, punch your, punch your Christian to-do list ticket uh, and go on your way. You know, that's, that's an unfortunate thing. If, if that were to be the case, uh, most people probably, I would say, don't do that. Most come and, and at least probably chat with a few people before or after maybe during the service. Yeah. I don't think that we properly value the gathering of God's people to worship. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I would guess that the vast majority of people don't properly value how encouraging that time is to one another, probably because it happens in very subtle ways. Yeah. Like it's pretty easy to kind of come and go on a Sunday and not necessarily feel some sort of great encouragement. You know, it's one of those things you don't really notice it maybe until you've been away for a while because it's just sort of like a slow sort of thing. But it's an incredible encouragement, I think, to walk in and see the same faces week after week, even if they're faces you don't even know. Like you may not even know their names. Yeah. Like it's funny, like when I think back of some of the previous churches that I've, that I've been a part of over the years in other states or wherever, and sometimes the faces that pop up first aren't people that I really even knew all that well, yeah. you know, like, it's kind of weird to me that that's like, Oh, I think of, you know, so-and-so who always sat over, you know, just to my right or, you know, whatever. It's like, I don't even know if I remember their name, but like their, their consistent presence 
I think spoke something to me, even if on a subconscious level of the importance of these are God's people gathering and I'm gathering with them and I'm together with them. Yeah. The, the reason you don't necessarily notice what you were just talking about is because that can only be measured over time. Right. Um, it, it's, it's why like committing to a church and going for a long time and when disagreements come up, staying and working it out matters is because if you just take off, you don't get that benefit of a long, a, a long and sustained, okay, I've been with these people week in and week out and sat under the word with these people and heard the same word with these people and felt the spirit move with these people. I mean, there's, you just miss that if, if you're, yeah. you know, church hopping all the time. Right. It's why commitment to a local body matters so much. Right. And maybe that was less obvious to us a year ago than yeah. it is today, because now we've gone through, you know, March, April, May, June, when we weren't gathering at all, we, we had 13 weeks. We yeah. didn't gather at all. Uh, in person. Yeah, we had about that too. And we've had about four months since we've started to regather and, uh, but not everyone's back, of course. Um, so it's, I think we're probably more aware of that now. If again, maybe not necessarily on a conscious level or a way that we can particularly articulate, but we've all felt that, that missing piece of even that, even if we're coming on Sunday mornings again, not everyone's there. Um, yeah. And we just miss seeing certain faces. And sometimes we yeah. don't even have a particular one in mind. Like, oh, I really wish so-and-so would come back. But like it, it's happened probably the last six weeks or so where like a few more people every week come back for the first time since March. And I always like yeah. notice, I always notice them first. Me you too. Know, when I look around the room, it's like, oh, so-and-so is back. I haven't seen them in, you know, six months or five months or whatever it's been. And it's like, it's just, it's just good to see them. You know, it's. Yeah. It's an encouragement, not that you know anything was wrong with their decisions to not come in the past or whatever, but it's just it's an encouragement yeah. to be together. Just this last Sunday, we were the most we had our building the most full that it's been, and it still wasn't you know what would be normal necessarily, but that that just felt amazing, like the energy in the room and all of it just felt different, and yeah. and, and, and in a good way. And so, of yeah. course the Sunday gathering is the primary and what we ought not neglect is that gathering yeah, for sure. But, 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 but what are other just practical on, on ramps? Well, I was just, I'll just say one more thing first. I just, I week or so ago, yeah. I heard Tom Rayner of Lifeway give this statistic, which I thought was interesting. He said only 9% of all the churches in the country have returned to 60% attendance levels. In other words, whatever your attendance was, you know, seven months ago, um, only 9% of churches have gotten back to the point where basically they're two thirds back. Hmm. So that means like 91% of the churches out there still have 40 or more percent of their people not back on Sunday morning. So, you know, virtually every church uh, has a significant population that's not returned to in-person worship. And I'm not saying this is like anybody's fault or whatever. I'm just sort of making an observation. Yeah. This is, this is just our situation. So I, you know, all these things that we've been speaking about in terms of intentionality and prioritizing and sacrificing, these things are all the more important during these days. Yeah. You know, not that church life is ever easy, <laughs> certainly, uh, but it's just way harder in 2020 than it was in 2019. Yeah. 
So Sunday gathering, prior, prioritize it. But what are maybe some other steps you can take that aren't as important as a Sunday gathering, but are important nonetheless? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously lots of ways to get involved in your church. There's probably, you know, if you're a Presbyterian, you probably have a lot of committees. <laughs> other churches probably have like ministry teams or whatever, whatever you call them. But there's yeah. other ways to serve at your church or be a part of a, of a group of people that's working towards some sort of ministry aim. Right. We're all good probably Sunday school classes or, you know, whatever, but many churches have some sort of small group, you know, church group, life group, Bible study group, yeah. whatever. That's, that's primarily designed towards community, right? Yeah. That, that's kind of their primary end. I mean, there might have, you know, a teaching component or it might be a little more structured. Some churches are a little more, you know, every small yeah, group yeah. does the same sort of curriculum or, or whatever. But most of the time, the, the main purpose really is a deeper level of community. We've got small groups and we've got those going. And a lot of places are doing those over Zoom and that kind of thing. Um, also, we've got like, you know, men's breakfast once a month. We've got, you know, movie nights that we're social distancing and people are eating, bringing their own snacks and that kind of stuff. We have those fellowship events matter too. And, and I yeah. would just say like, particularly like, to the men who are listening to this, I don't know the demographics of our audiences, uh, but the guy who's listening, men often like resist getting involved in these kinds of things. We don't have a box. We just don't make time for it. We got to cut the grass or we got to, you know, get things done. And I would just say prioritizing community in your local church and participation and whether it's a men's Bible study or men's breakfast or a fellowship group with other men is vitally important for your soul and for your spiritual health. Prioritize that and model prioritizing that for your children if you're a dad. Uh, because it's just so easy to go, well, I'm just going to go hang out on the back 40, mow my lawn and all that stuff. And so I, I think it's important to prioritize that stuff. Yeah. Especially for men, because we resist it. Like women just do this stuff better as a rule. As, as a, I mean, are there exceptions, of course, but. Yeah, I think it's easy for men to pull the, I work real hard, I'm real tired card. Yeah. And don't have time for that. Or it's like, well, I've got my, the guys that I watch football with on Sundays or whatever, you know, sort of types of fellowship. And, and certainly those things aren't bad in and of themselves. Right. Uh, but you can't have all of your relationships be kind of on those levels. Well, it, it really goes back to what we were saying before about like, it, it might mean a change in schedule. It might just mean that you just decide, okay, I'm going to take one less hunting trip. And instead, I'm going to attend, you know, the men's gathering that's happening in the fall. You know, it, it might mean you, you know, I'm going to postpone my camping, whatever, because it's important for me to be a part of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. We have a men's group that meets at 530 in the mornings that would require some rescheduling for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, giving up, you know, whatever, an hour or two of sleep or whatever you normally right. sleep into, I suppose. And it means giving up probably breakfast with your family or, you yeah. know, whatever your morning routine is. Right. Well, relationships are important, Kevin, and I'm grateful for ours and that what we've been able to build over the past several years. And, and I would just encourage if you're out there and listening, um, lean into community. We'll lean into it and not away. All right. Let's sign off so we can talk about baseball. Indeed. Uh, you've been listening to Matt and Kevin Talk Church. 
Um, we hope that uh, everything what you've heard today has been helpful and edifying. If you have questions or you would like to us to answer or topics you'd like us to discuss, you can be the first to email us at mattandkevintalkchurch <laughs> at gmail.com. And if you want to help us build our audience, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Look, you don't have to mean it. It doesn't have to be sincere. But you can, you can write whatever you want in the little box. We, I will read it and laugh if you want to poke fun at us. That's fine. And uh, that would be great. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Matt and Kevin Talk Church. So with that being said, I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. And we've been talking church and the importance of Christian community. People want to be fed. <laughs> <laughs>